Hello and welcome to 3 and 2. It's the Tiny Plastic People podcast, specifically about match play in the Age of Sigma at the, if we're being quite generous to ourselves, mid-table level. Um, oh, yeah. The name 3 and 2 is uh, aspirational, I think you said earlier. I am your host, Matthew Ward. Uh, if you'd like to buy a really competitive night on our site unseen, um, 400 quid is what I'm looking for at the moment. Um, and then with me tonight are... The other hosts, uh, Laura Bates. Hello. And Rich Nutter. Hello. How's it going? I'm doing good. Uh, so jumping in is like a episode zero where we sort of get to know you, getting to know all about you. Could you please tell me a little bit about who you are and your maybe a little brief Age of Sigma history or wargaming history? Doesn't have to be Age of Sigma. Rich, you're being pointed okay. at. I've been nominated. So, yeah, my name's Rich Nutter. I am a war gamer. <laughs> instantly gone off the rails. Um, yeah, I've been playing AOS since, really since the start of second edition, so the Soul Wars box mm-hmm. kind of era. So the first project, I didn't actually buy that box to start with. The first project I remember doing was some, what were then called Beast Claw Raiders for my local Games Workshop's Malign Portents event. So actually, Malign Portents, was that pre-AOS 2? It was. It was indeed, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I did that just as kind of a hobby project, never really played. And the first time I really got into playing Age of Sigma was actually at a uh, like a meetup in 2018 that some of us attended, some of our sort of extended friend group. And, yeah, I've been kind of playing since then attending a reasonably large number of tournaments but they tend to be sort of the bigger ticket things in a year probably three or four a year so we've done some some brotherhood team tournaments some blackouts in cardiff and the occasional little local one day um as matthew kind of highlighted yet yeah, three two is definitely aspirational <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than realistic um it's achievable yeah i guess i tend to focus on like the the hobby side of things mostly so uh, i will put together an army that i think looks good and looks like an army let's say rather than being like 18 of the same unit and and then it gets smashed to pieces but it's good and i meet lots of nice people while i do it so yeah that's what i like about aos nice okay and how about yourself then laura uh hi i'm laura i'm a london-based wargamer i play Warhammer Underworlds and Age of Sigmar. So I got into AOS through Underworlds really um, at about the same time as Rich. So I think the start of AOS second edition was what prompted me to get into it. I haven't done a huge amount of tournaments. I was kind of in a position of just before COVID hit, I was thinking, hey, 2020 is going to be the year I go to loads of AOS events and that (laughs) didn't really work out. So uh, I've done a few. Uh, I think I've only done one solo two-day AOS event, at which I went three and two. So perfect for this podcast. That's Um, that's probably going to be the best because that was when I was using Gargants at the height of Gargants being quite good. So I feel like it's all downhill from here. I think similar to Rich, I really like the hobby angle of things. We really enjoy painting. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy the list building aspect of the competitive game. So probably my favorite way to play Age of Sigmar is to put two non-optimal armies on a table and then try and do as well as I can to win a game. 
So while I have quite a few armies, I don't think I have any army that I could make what I would consider to be the best possible list for that faction mm-hmm. with. But I'm fine with that, really. I'm quite happy just putting the models I like on the table and then seeing what happens. And the models you like are primarily Dwardin. Yeah, I'm, I have <laughs> one of every Dwardin army, and then I started painting other things because I ran out of Dwardin options. But, you know, maybe there'll be some more in future. We'll see. <laughs> Have to be have to admit to being slightly surprised when you didn't saw all of your gargant's legs off at the knee and just reattach the foot. <laughs> I don't I'm, still, it's I'm still expecting the second Cities of Sigma dwarf based army. <laughs> Maybe one day. There's only so many Cities of Sigma armies I'm prepared to paint it just because <laughs> they might get squatted and then I would be sad. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen, for sure. Last and least, um I am Matthew. I have been playing Age of Sigma pretty much since release. So a friend picked up the original starter box and I did not want to paint those horrible corn models and cobbled together my old sort of Warhammer Fantasy Undead and I've been, been pushing them around the tables ever since. I think quite like you, um, Laura, I'd sort of planned on playing a lot more competitive events just before COVID hit. Um, I've had the, the double whammy of COVID and newborn baby, which is uh, paid mm. to going to too many, but we're, we're uh, hoping to play some more in the future. I think scraping together some more stuff now that we're all pretending that COVID's over, for, at the very least. Yeah. Um, over yeah. enough for tournament gaming, at least. Yeah, I mean, totally safe, right? I felt super safe at Blackout. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. It's fine. Sometimes you've got to make sacrifices for wargaming. Yeah. I didn't get COVID, so what can I really yeah. complain about? So you both talked about your love of the hobby. What have you been painting recently? You're both infamous as like just painting machines. Infamous? Well, infamous. Thanks for making it sound negative. Uh, go on, Laura. You can go first. Uh, so... I started a year painting the Cool Boys half of the Minion, which I won in a charity raffle just before Christmas, which was <laughs> great. Uh, and that was really fun. I really enjoyed painting the Cool Boys. So definitely going to go back and add to them at some point. But more recently, I've been working on a Slaves to Darkness army that I started late last year. Um, so I painted Bellacore last week, I think which was really fun. I really, really like the new Bellacore model. I've been looking forward to painting him since uh, I got him for a Christmas present. Uh, And I'm really pleased with how he came out. Uh, So that was great. And now I am working on a converted Chaos War Shrine for the same army. So my concept for them is that they're an ex-Anvil Guard army who fell to Chaos while seeking revenge on Marathi and the Daughters of Cain for the destruction of Anvil Guard. So my Chaos War Shrine is a, a sort of kit bash between the Chaos War Shrine kit and the Daughters of Cain Cauldron of Blood, which has created the spikiest model I have ever built. And there have <laughs> been several say. blood sacrifices in the process of putting it together. But it's well, mostly built if, now. <laughs> if nothing else, that's very thematic. Yeah, indeed. I'd, I'd just like to go on record as saying your Bellacore is... Fantastic! Um, yes. I really like the colours you've chosen. Uh, I think it, yeah, it's he's really, nice. really, really good on the table. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, like, I really like the Bellacore model as well. I'm not much of a chaos guy in general, mm-hmm. but Bellacore is a nice kit. Yeah, really, really good. Matthew, um, go. 
Oh, God, what hobby have I been doing? I sort of just finished painting a massive pile of sharks uh, for my Odinath Deepkin. It's an army that's taken me about three years to paint. Um, and I keep painting a model and going, all right, this army's finished. And then <laughs> it is not. Um, so at the moment, I'm convincing myself that I don't need to paint more thralls and I don't need to paint Octopus Man uh, and that the army is truly finally finished. Um, and what's staring at me and giving me the fear at the moment is a big, big pile of bone splitters because if nothing else, I'm a glutton for punishment. But I'm sort of, um, sort of finished that in between painting at the moment, sort of in a hobby lull. Um, after I don't know, I think I spent the best part of two years painting pretty much just Deacon and suffered intense burnout as a result. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you said, uh, you don't like painting 18 of the same unit. I sort of stared at the uh, the eels in my cupboard. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, which isn't 18 of the same unit because it's 21. Yeah. What I really like about your deepkin, though, is that you haven't used the same colour scheme for everything. So mm-hmm. like all of your sharks are a different colour and you've got different eel schemes going on. I think that works yes. really well. Though I would say, uh, especially if uh, you're someone who decides that shark spam is the deepkin army for you, don't paint them all different colours. Come up with a consistent <laughs> scheme. Yeah. It's uh you make a rod for your own back. That's what you do with that. Did you did you base them on um like real life sharks? Yeah. Some of them, yeah. So there's like a goblin shark inspired one. And there's a um what the stripy stripy spotty ones, whatever they're called. Uh, like, tie no tiger shark? Nurse shark? Something like that? Something like that. And there's one inspired by that, but um some of them are just a pink shark would look good. Yeah, it yeah, does. Fair enough. So that's what they mostly are. How about you, Rich? Oh well, I came into this episode thinking I've not done a lot of AOS hobby recently. I don't know what I'll talk about, but if we're talking about like sort of early this year, then yeah, there's a there's a reasonably big list. Um, the main AOS thing that I'm working on at the moment is I'm doing a slow grow new year new army. Uh, with mutual friend Chris, uh, where we each chose a project for the other, and then each month we send the other person a unit from that army. It's an idea that I shamelessly stole from Ben Mardle um, of Ebats because I thought it sounded like fun. Um, I'm sure, I say I stole it from him, I'm sure he's not the only person to have ever done it. <laughs> well, presumably there is at least one more. So, yeah, for that I've been painting Corn Bloodbound, as you... Um, Put it about five minutes ago. Those hateful starter set board models. <laughs> um, so so far, I've done a unit of blood warriors and a couple of characters, a slaughter priest and a skull grinder. Um, yeah, putting one hand in the bag that says bone, skull, blood, and another hand in so- the bag that says like reaper, splitter, the one with smasher, the skull flare isn't Scar Bloodrath, right? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, so what I'm working on this month, this month we said we'd do sort of like chunky elite units or monster. Mm. So uh, I sent Chris a Stegadon, and he sent me a box of six Mighty Skull Crushers, the uh, mortal juggernaut cavalry. So they're half assembled on my desk at the moment. Um, nice. They're quite imposing. They're big. A lot of, 
there's a lot of surface area on a unit of six. I'm telling you that. Yeah, how much trim um, are you staring down the barrel of? Not quite a lot. There's not too <laughs> much. There's not too much trim on the juggernauts themselves, actually. Mm. Um, so, it, like my corn schemes, kind of like bone plates and red trim. So we just kind of do the whole bone color and then pick the trim out in contrast. And nice. don't have to do that much highlighting then. Um, I think I might do the juggernauts in like a metal color because they're kind of weird demon robots. Very strange. Like, <laughs> I don't think that natural conclusion. If you'd started at like um, maybe like the mortal bloodbound stuff and worked, yeah, uh, sort of worked the range from there. I'm not sure that's where you'd have ended up, but they existed already with demons on their backs. I think so. They're pretty. Classic old warriors of chaos unit, right? As well, um, not Are units they? of them, but like oh. a hero on a juggernaut. I think was a thing. Yeah, I think in forty k, maybe I, I don't remember. Yeah. But they go back quite a long way. I'm not sure. They're they're a bit weird, but they're, they're, they're cool. very weird. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, I, don't know I was hoping year. you'd say Korgoraths, but we'll ah, accept ah. skull crushers. The trouble with the Korgorath is you can only get it in. Uh, the start collecting box. Going on eBay, right? Well, no, okay. Okay, so like, from a, I am ordering direct for Gaze Workshop. Okay. You can open it. You'll probably get it on eBay for about £3. <laughs> Maybe I'll add some extras once, once the army, once the project is finished and yeah. we're left to our own devices. Maybe I'll just add like seven more Korgoraths. Chris um, could buy a start collecting box and then just dish it out to you a bit at a time over a few months. He could do that, actually. Yeah, I think we probably will have a month where we just go, like, right, let's do a start collecting box. And maybe it takes longer than a month. But, mm-hmm. yeah. The um, other thing, what else have I worked on? I painted some trogs this year. Uh, gits, oh, you know. Jesus, I forgot you had trogs. Yeah, I'm, that's very sort of, like, occasionally I feel like painting a trog. I paint a trog, but they're very fun. <laughs> that, was, that was prompted by uh, James of TPP converting a very nice custom trog boss for me with a huge amount of sculpting work for over Christmas. Mm. So um, yeah, you'd feel really here. bad if you didn't have an army for that, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you understand. Um, and I guess that's about it. Painted some Nurgle stuff. Mm. So we've got to go back to some of that at some point. Um, you do. Yeah. Most of, yeah, most of my hobby hobby for AOS recently has been making lists and working out what I'm taking to tournaments this year. So. Yeah, yeah, you you got all this fun hobby you want to be doing, but eventually at some point I'll crack a whip and you'll have to paint elves. Yeah, it's going to be uh, the list I made today was like, oh, I'll just paint another thirty sentinels and ten wind chargers. Yeah, great. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. Surely you don't need to paint 30 more Sentinels. That's... No, I don't need to. Okay. No one needs to. No one needs to. I feel I like 10 wind uh... charges is a bigger ask. Cavalry always yeah. takes forever. Yeah, I have thus far not attempted any Luminous Cavalry other than the one uh, hero. So <laughs> I keep putting it off. I think going to be horrible. I painted three Dawn Riders last year and then thought I'm going to stop because this is taking ages and I don't want to paint any more elves. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, as we mentioned in the intros, you're kind of battling against a natural predisposition against elves as well. But... That is true. But they weren't going to be a nice elf army. They were going to be a horrible elf army. <laughs> true, yeah. No, elves. All elves are horrible. That's yeah, why they're, not they're nice great. people, it turns out. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, yeah, I'm fighting the part of my brain that's saying paint a second Achillean thing. Um, Do you see him <laughs> extremely good? Can you take two? This? Yeah, you could take four. Why not? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not very good. Maybe yeah. really so after the summer FAQ and points changes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've, we'll see. You've got Voltanos as well, right? I do run, have Voltanos. You could I run. Do, I do have a King, King plus Volti list, and I think Volti is pretty good as well. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I think we'll save talking about Deepkin in detail, maybe for the future when I've played more than one game with them. But uh, a lot of my lists are sort of. I've started off in quite an excited place of I'll have a bit of that and I'll have a bit of that and then sort of they condense down to what if I just took the same war scroll four times? <laughs> um, yeah, that always seems to be the way. Warhammer, uh, yeah, that's Age of Sigma. Um, yeah, so yeah, despite having a deep canona and a flower slayer owner on the show, uh, we're gonna. Not talk about them for the moment, I guess, because neither of us have really been playing many to any games with them. I had one deeply brief game, deeply nice, with my fish elves, but wasn't too instructive of anything. Deepkin versus KO is always a kind of one-way traffic, as, as we've experienced before, I think. It's quite hard. Quite a hard work. Especially now that uh, your Namato Thrill screen can have a 5-plus ward. Why not? Just what it needed. Why not? Yeah, okay. Give them every rule, and then people will put them in their lists. <laughs> well, I have yet to get a game in with new Fire Slayers, but hopefully before our next podcast, I'll give them a try. Yes. I, I, it's exciting. I think I'm, uh, I think the Fire Slayer book looks really fun. I hope, yeah. hope you have I a good time with it. I think I just need to get my head round lists, because I think the lists I was running before with them I mean, I haven't even really run first layers in 3.0. So I need to find a netlist that I can copy and then just get them on the table and try. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited for Magmadoffs to be good because the Magmadoff is my favourite war scroll in Age of Sigmar. I love Magmadoffs. Uh, and they've never quite been as good in the table as I would like. So I'm hopeful that now they will, this will be the time. Yeah, there seems to be a running theme in both of those uh, new books. Deepkin and Fire Slayers is like the ability to make one of your hero one amounts just absolutely slap people across the chops in combat. <laughs> like the the Smash Achillean King, who's ridiculous, by the way. And um the what's the choppy fire slayer hero called? Auric Rune Father. The Auric Rune Father. They look disgusting as well. I yeah. bet they're a lot of fun. I think you can make them pretty good. So we'll have yeah. to try that. I currently only own two Magmadoffs, and there was quite a strong temptation now to get at least two more and do a proper monster mash list. But Have they released them separately yet, or is it still just through the weird setup where you have to buy a whole half the Fire Slayer army with them? They've said they're going to release them separately, but I don't think they have yet, at least not unless I missed it. Good. Deepkin and Fire Slayers didn't get... Vanguard boxes with their books, did they? Not, Not yet. yet. Not well, one. One assumes they will, but they're still on the old start collectings for now. Yeah, um, the first layer start collecting is actually a really good one if you don't already have yeah. fifty Volkite berserkers. At which point, it becomes <laughs> really unnecessary. 
Yeah. The Deepkin one is a good start collector, but not a good buy for this box. Um, so we'll see. I did, have, did Maggotkin get one quite quickly afterwards? Uh, they got to... one at the same time as their book. Yeah. Weird. There's some so. stuff in both Deepkin and books that's a bit different from the other 3.0 books so far. So who knows what's going on there? I guess they're still working out what a 3.0 launch looks like. Yeah, I mean, they've not had the karma seas for it, right? So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe it's maybe stuck the, on a ship somewhere. I was going to say, yeah, the, um, the Fire Slayer Vanguard box is still in the Suez Canal yeah. somewhere. I guess as well, Deepkin and Fire Slayers had the big box that came out. So maybe they, did. they didn't want to release new yeah. Vanguard boxes just after that. Would make sense, I guess. They're also sort of historically two of the least popular armies in AOS. Yeah. <laughs> Might have something to do. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that um, Fury of the Deep box. Occasionally, still see it on shelves. <laughs> oh, it is a very good, good deal. It is a good, good deal. Like it's two actual forces that feel like armies, and it's really well priced. Mm. Um, they're not. They're two armies, neither of which I collect. So <laughs> it'd be a thoroughly double value. Purchase. Double no. Even more value. <laughs> no chance of duplicates. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't um, buy the box because I don't need any more of anything, but I, I got scalped and uh, picked up the Thrillmaster solo, which is a lovely mod. I also didn't buy the box because I didn't need any more of anything, and I have thus far resisted being scalped for a Flamekeeper, mm. but I do quite like the model, so I'm sure at some point I'll end up. Yeah, he seems a bit nice to have rather than necessary. Yeah, Which I think the Thrillmaster is as well, but uh, yeah. I like the model. It's more a completeness thing. There are very few Age of Sigma dwarf kits I don't have, so it makes me sad that there's another one now. <laughs> what don't you have? I want to drill into drill down. What dwarves are we missing? Uh, I don't have the Ironweld Arsenal kind of things, so I don't have gyrocopters <sighs> or gyro bombers, and I don't have a cogsmith. I've got um, lots of stuff in my cupboard I could send to you. <laughs> and there are some, like... Jewel kits I've only done one half of, so I don't have any Auric Hearthguard oh, in my Fastlair army, and I don't have any Hammerers in my Dispossessed army. What the Hammerers are jewel kit with? The um, Iron... Longbeards. Longbeards, okay. Yeah, I have Longbeards. The Hammerers seem pretty all right. Yeah, If my, you have a Soul Screen Bridge. Yeah, my Dispossessed <laughs> army is a more narrative army, uh, and I liked the Longbeards. Mm better aesthetically fair enough yeah they do a pretty similar job right like yeah. the longbeards buff others so they do a, they grumble in the hero phase and it gives yeah. a buff to people around them uh, whereas i think the hammers are just a bit more hitty fair do you have to do the grumble yourself you probably did an original ars but these days no. <laughs> 1.0 war scrolls yeah take out those war scrolls i guess if we segue into the it's not even a segue. Let's just move into the main content. Um, <laughs> sort of the games we've been playing recently, not been playing loads, but we've been sort of trying to make, we've all been trying to make pretty new stuff work, right? This is sort of post Battle Scroll 1, not Battle Scroll. I've played no games after Battle Scroll 2. Um, uh, I don't think I have either. Meaningfully, not that I've interacted with it at all. So, because, and also, I guess post updates for those who have had them because laura you've been trying to make bone reapers work i have and they had quite a nice white dwarf update which has helped them it didn't have anything super big 
but they got hmm. some quite nice battle tactics out of it. And while I am on principle opposed to faction <laughs> battle tactics in AOS 3, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Bone Reapers did yeah. need the help because they struggled a bit with some of the generic ones. So I have just been exploiting it and using them as much as I can. How has that been going for you then? Um, mixed, I would say. I'm finding mm. them... I quite enjoy playing them. They're, they're just very different to everything else because they have the thing where they don't engage with the standard command abilities, which is a really yeah. big part of ARS 3. But oh, they do yeah. have a lot of their own command abilities and things that they can play with. So it's a bit of an exercise in forgetting how to play ARS and then <laughs> learning how to play Bone Reapers, um, which I have far from mastered, but I'm quite enjoying mm-hmm. messing around with and seeing how it works. Yeah, from having played against them prior to the White Dwarf update, it felt like the they were pretty. They were still good at playing the objectives, but were not good at battle tactics, even remotely. Like really struggled beyond turn one, advance three units. So presumably that's been what's been the biggest change for you, rather than the slight changes they've had to their command abilities. Yeah, I think that's fair. The the biggest thing that has helped them in ARS 3 overall was that there was an early FAQ that allowed them to use their command abilities more than once in the same phase, mm-hmm. which was really essential because Mortec Guard rely very heavily on their shield wall ability, which lets them reroll saves, and allowing multiple units of Mortec Guard to do that was a really big deal. And it also yeah. means that if you're Petrofex Elite, you can use the command ability that gives you extra rend multiple times. So I think that was the single sort of biggest fix that has made them work in AOS 3. So they, yeah. can use, they can use those abilities multiple times, but if you can use shield wall and um, get extra rend in the same time, so that's no, still locked out. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's right, because that's an interesting yeah. decision you have to make, kind of like, is my unit yeah. of Mortec Guard going to survive enough that I will benefit from extra rend or not? Yeah. So I think that's wise. But yeah, the battle tactics have helped them. There were two of the White Dwarf battle tactics that, are not complete gimmies, but are definitely very viable for them. And that has mm-hmm. sort of made the difference of being able to compete in close-ish games as opposed to you just realise on turn three you're not going to score another battle tactic, and that's yeah. probably it. The, yeah, I would say that, as you said earlier, uh, this is a anti-faction battle tactic podcast. Um, Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of those heads. Oh. Um, but if they'll give them to me, I'll use them. Um, yeah. They do feel a bit all over the place. Yeah, I think. I mean, it depends a bit what happens with battle tactics if the, when there's a new general's handbook. I think, mm-hmm. but I think if battle tactics gets to the point when any when the vast majority of the time you're going to score five battle tactics in a game, it makes them much Why less bother? interesting yeah. than if whether or not you score your battle tactics is the thing that is the decider in a game. And I worry that some armies have gone too much towards it just being very easy to always get five. I don't think Bone Reapers are in that place. I've certainly played recent games with Bone Reapers when I have not scored five battle tactics. It's it's also just very variable. Some armies have really bad faction battle tactics and some have very good ones. I think um, we'll see. I I suspect as the addition goes on... uh they might get easier. <laughs> that's been the very the brief amount of addition we've seen so far. That seems to be the trend because the um, I don't about the fire slayers ones or the deepkin battle tactics are doable. Uh, yeah, I think same doable. for fire slayers. None of them looked super obvious. You will always do this, but there are a few of them that I can definitely mm-hmm. imagine taking. 
Uh, I mean, Deep can have a battle t- tactic for kill things on high tide, which, spoilers, <laughs> that's the game plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think yeah. the first ones aren't quite at that level, but yeah, there are a couple that mm-hmm. are certainly going to be in the mix of things I'll be looking at. What's your take on this then, Rich? Do you like faction battle tactics? As someone who has played most of his recent games with Magikin, who have faction battle tactics, hmm. yeah, I like them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I think I broadly agree with both of you that maybe the game would be simpler without them, but and I didn't really feel like they were needed before they existed. Uh, I do like the, the, the Magikin ones at least sort of range from the sublime to the ridiculous in like there are some that are like requiring you to grow trees in your enemy's backfield and stuff which i think is cool and thematic and probably never going to get chosen and then there are some that seem like very achievable i think there's a good one for seven models dying as a result of disease rolls which is if you pick it at the right time against Mm -hmm. the right army like obviously you're never going to pick that against uh gargants but if you're playing something like Cities of Sigmar Army on one of the turns where you're getting a load of stuff in and getting a load of disease points off, then it feels like feasible at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. My favorite Fire Slayer one is that there is one for killing a hero with a Fire Slayer throwing axe. And Fire Slayer throwing axes are awful. They're very yeah. slightly less bad in the new book, but. I honestly would almost rather they just scrapped them and you didn't have to roll dice for them. But it is going to make me just really tempted to take that battle tactic because it will be so embarrassing for my opponent if I ever score it. Is that that's the battle tactic? They lampshade themselves, right? Like they acknowledge that the fire set throwing axes are crap yes. in the name of it. It's called yeah, like an ignoble cool. death. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I like that. That's. Um... See, I think that's what you should have, though. If you've got a mix of mm-hmm. stuff like that, I think it's fine. I feel like a lot of the negative perception of faction battle tactics came from, especially like the first ones, the Stormcast ones that were released, mm-hmm. where it was like, you know, like Stormcast being the kind of Swiss Army Knife faction already had quite a lot of ways of scoring like the standard battle tactics. And then we're given two or three that were just like, ah, so these are like the standard ones, but easier. And that, I think, put people off. And you yeah. think, like, if every faction was going to get those, then yes, um, it makes you kind of a bit... Yeah. But... We'll see how they go. I think, uh, generally, when they first came out and we were talking about them, our concern was, like, uh, this is going to be super imbalanced between... There's going to be some armies that really benefit from this and some that really don't. And, like, the, like you said, the exact first release was... Stormcast getting a pile of them of very variable quality, and Oric War Clans, uh, uh, well, like they, or something. yeah, one per faction and like a Kragnos one, and you're like, okay, yeah. um, <laughs> yes, you've given them the same number in print, but is that how the Oric War Clans book works? Mm, I don't think it is. No. Um, so yeah, good old Bone Splitters got the killer monster battle tactic again. Um, so we, we can s- kill two monsters and score it twice. That's uh, just thematic. It is thematic, um, and if the army had any rules about fighting monsters, that would be even better. But <laughs> Not that you're bitter. Not that I'm bitter, no. I'll do it with my 
four plus four plus no rend damage on attacks. It'll be fine, right? It'll be fine. I can't wait for the Nighthorn book to come out, where presumably oh. all of the faction battle tactics will be like suffer a deeply ironic fate. Yeah, um, I'm, lose I'm a ex- whole unit on the charge, something like that. I'm excited for our sad boy Nighthorn special episode that we will presumably yeah. do to cry. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I can't be- allow myself to feel any hope uh, with that armor. I've been it's hurt working. T- too many times. This is just Nighthaunt roleplay at this point. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. Speaking well, speaking of, of yeah, speaking Nighthaunt. Of feelings <laughs> we had a game. We did. did. Uh, we did. Some might call it a game. So after Battle Scroll 1, which sort of pretty much coincided with the new Maggot Kin book that you were very excited about, you took out your brand new Maggot Kin army? And I thought, oh, you can take Nagash and Nighthaunt now. That's cool. And took Nagash and Nighthaunt. And we had a game and uh, certainly learned some lessons. I did, anyway. Yeah, the lesson I learned was that if I was the Supreme Lord of the Undead, Mm. I would simply not roll a double one on my first casting roll of the game. (laughs) It it was the moment where I was like, okay, I take D3 Mortal Wounds for that. And you were like, okay, whatever. And I was like, and then I cannot cast any more spells this phase. And you were like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's semi-important. I mean, beyond uh, the double one instant miscast was extremely funny. Um, but probably that alone was not the nail in the coffin of you destroying me there. That was, um, I think, probably the worst anyone has ever deployed an army in Age of Sigma. Really showering yourself in praise. Uh, just, just what like, scenario were we playing? There's the three objectives, and they can only be captured by heroes. And I put all oh, my very slow game. heroes in the middle of the my deployment zone. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Absolutely no way to touch any of those objectives in my first turn. Uh, in an army that has native deep strike, absolute genius move. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and yeah. just like. Uh, and I knew in my turn one when I started measuring things that this was going to go in so badly for me. Um, yeah. Doing the most full tilt moves in the world, like picking kill your general battle tactic, putting it all on hand of dust, and then when that didn't kill him, just marching Nagash off to the other side of the board. Like I could have very easily have made that charge and just chopped him with Nagash, but I was just like, no, yeah. I'm not no. going to do that now. <laughs> I, I tried once. It didn't yeah. work. It's not happening. Didn't it? Didn't go with the fifty-fifty spell. So, no. so fuck it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just should we? Do you want to talk a bit about the lists we took? Go for oh. it. Tell me about your Magakin. I think it was quite good. Your army. Yeah, I was. I was pretty pleased with it, given its definite like its existence, basically as the things that I have painted. Hmm. Was it the same uh, list you ran against me? I don't think it was, actually. No, it was different. I think it will have had a lot of the same things in it. But no, I think it, I think it was different. So I think when I played you, Laura, I used the Droning Guard, the Puscoil-based Allegiance. Hmm. I like that one. certainly had Puscoils in yeah. the list. I mean, they're very good, even when they're not in that Allegiance 
But, um, That's the eight-inch pregame move, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. I I get a little bit mixed up when I'm not sat in front of the book as to what gives out the like pregame moves and what gives out the the deep strike negative one to hit. I, I think it's you. The one. I'm not currently on Wikipedia. That's fine. We don't even know that website exists. It's fine. So anyway, this this list versus Matthew, I was running the Blessed Sons, mm-hmm. which is uh, when a mortal model dies, you roll a number of dice equal to its wound characteristics, and on a certain result, it deals disease points to things near it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like a, an extra way of putting disease points out. Yeah, it sounds um, pretty good, but your models have to die. Yes, so it's that classic thing of like, yeah, something can seem really good until you realize that it only happens when things die. And it is yeah. limited to mortal models. So like yeah. if that was if that was any models, then I can see the argument for getting like eighty play bearers and just shifting mm-hmm. them up up the board slowly, but uh, it's mortals only, so Although and when a your opponent has to actually kill some models as well, yeah, yes. So I don't. I, we probably didn't see the largest impact of it in this game. And I took a great and clean one as my general with mm-hmm. the the bio blade and the massive bio sword because it's basically the only correct loadout now. <laughs> um, Is that the, the exact reverse of what was previously the correct loadout? So I think previously people used to go for the bell and flail. Perfect. Uh, or they might have gone for the bio blade still, but the okay. the bell definitely. I think if people took um, more than one, they would take different loadouts before those. So hopefully, yeah. people had at least something that is still relevant now. So I have a second one that's half painted, uh, and that's got a bell and a flail, just because they were weapons that I didn't put on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I think the likelihood of ever running two is low enough that I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, the. The great and clean one in uh, this third ed book actually has some sort of offensive potential as well as just being a support piece. So, uh, yeah, that's that. He was the general, so I gave him the um, Nurgle's Nail artifact. <laughs> now I'm trying to remember what that is. I think Nurgle's Nail is the one that makes one of you pick one of your weapons and it does disease on fives instead of sixes because. The trick with the great and clean one is that one of his weapons is a horde of nerglings, which is 15 mm-hmm. dice attack. So although you're not really expecting it to do any damage, you just use that to pile you put these points. An artifact on that? That's not a mount? On the great and clean one? Yeah. On the pile of nerglings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't count as a mount. <laughs> That's crazy. No, it's wild, isn't it? That's rude. Hang on, I'm writing an email to the FAQ team. (laughs) I have not got in this written copy of my list what my um, command trait was, so pass. (laughs) Uh, What's the one where they can't use command abilities? Because that's really annoying. That is really annoying. I think that might be mortals only again. It is, yeah, because you always see it on the Lord of Afflictions, don't you? It's amazing, like the Lord of Afflictions with um, the split horn helm to get a four up uh, ward, and then yeah, yeah that um, anything within seven inches, I think, is just can't issue commands, can't receive commands. It's amazing. It's a little bit fiddly because it's different between within and wholly within, which is a bit yes. annoying. 
but uh, it's, it's. I think it's to yeah. the benefit of the Nurgle player though that within Holy Within, mm. um, like it's different. It's pretty so. obscene as a combination. Yeah. yeah, it's really annoying against Bone Reapers because with like <laughs> command abilities, they just really lack the capacity to do enough damage to kill mm. him. So yeah. he can go into twenty mortar garden. They'll just spend the whole game slapping each other, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> God, I was. I remember when we played that game. There was a point of me being like, "Are these multi card ever going to die?" And then I think, like one turn after that, he he just like killed them all. Yeah, I kind of find um, multi card really, really tanky until someone has one really good turn and then yeah. they all just vanish. Yeah. Um. So they almost yeah. always do die eventually, but in the mean, until they do, they're just really irritating. Bringing them to the back again. Yeah. Um. Just to whiz through the rest quickly. Uh, Lord of Blights, good enough foot hero to support mm-hmm. some Blight Kings. Um, and then two units of five Blight Kings. Uh, a Sloppity Bile Piper, again, just sort of supports some Plague Bearer-based units. And then ten Plague Bearers and three Plague Drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. To, you can um, do some nice combos with the Bile Piper being able to affect the Plague Drones as well, just to up their output a bit. It really does up there as well. Yeah. A Beast of Nurgle, which uh, they seem really good, actually. Uh, yeah, they're really that's, good. It's a really scroll. Good. I th- feel like it's a scroll you look at initially and go like, eh, like, not sure. But I think it's just the impact. They, they're popping up in lists, yeah, and those impact hits, hits are amazing. Why uh, they and do impact hits, we'll never understand. But. Big lolloping chunks of flesh, yes. I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's kind uh, of seamy. If you've never been jumped on by a big dog. Yeah. Yeah, true. Okay. true. Uh, last but not least, to I guess I did be my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't hit that hard by the dog. No. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, two Puskal Blight Lords, and if you want to take issue with something dealing impact hits, then mm. these are a good candidate because they're flies, <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're real workhorse as well. They're, it's. They're not the most mobile thing in AOS by any means, but certainly compared to a lot of the rest of the Magikin army, they are. And the army is so slow. Yeah, uh, you just and they have no have, movement. You have some sort of deep strike. Yeah. You have to have some kind of fly, I think. Like. Yeah, um, that's it. Most of it in a battle regiment to give me two drops. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did do the sensible thing. I kept the Puscoils out of the battle regiment because they didn't fit and. But then deployed them off the board. I think so. Kind of not giving anything away. Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, Maggotkin lists are crazy. That's nearly 130 wounds, which seems like a lot to chew through when they all have a five-up board as well. <laughs> yeah, although the bone splitter in me says mm, it's not that many wounds. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> slightly higher quality of wound, perhaps, perhaps. perhaps. What um, remind me what your list was? Uh, so I was running uh, Nagash, the Supreme Lord of the Undead, Lady Alinda, the Mortok of Grief. I took the Cruel Ghast Cruciator. Oh, what a guy! Uh, Cruel Ghast is like for me. I think like just the purest distilled nighthorn. <laughs> um, can you hear a model? Uh, like five wounds, support piece, 
absolutely piss damage. Um, but the support thing he does looks like it's really good on paper. So your brain tricks you into thinking, oh, he's good. He's good. I'll take him. Um, and he's shit. Uh, he's just... <laughs> the problem... So the uh, the concept there between that uh, Cruel Ghast and the Gash combo is that when the Gash's scroll got rewritten in um, the first battle scroll, they changed his command ability. So the old one was reroll hits and saves of one and board wide battle shock immunity. Um, and the new one is you get plus one to your deathless minions save on a unit. And the Cruel Ghast appreciator has an ability whereby if he murks a unit with his, if he does a, does any damage with his shooting attack, he has an aura around him afterwards that gives you plus one to your deathless minions. So theoretically there, the combo is that you get a four plus deathless minions save. So if you get that combo off, uh, you're looking at a unit with a four plus or five plus unrendable armor save and then a four plus ward. So super difficult to shift, like about as difficult as a unit gets in Ace of Sigma to shift. The problem is, is that combos just doesn't, does it? Uh, realistically, yeah. you've got to keep a unit within a wholly within bubble around the cruciator, which limits, you know, your ability to move and fight around him. So it's very much a defensive ability. Like once you're getting into the realm of charging out, especially with big units, and you kind of want to use it on a big unit um, to maximize its potential, it makes it then difficult to keep them within the wholly within bubble. And um, oh, his attack is not very good. Um, so you have to do going to look up his scroll just because I don't remember. I think they only have four attacks. Yeah. So he's got four shots at 12 inch range with Ren 2, but damage 1. There is a high that attack profile contains a lot of potential to do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And once that little bit of piddly shooting does nothing, he is doing very little for you. Um, for the 120 points it cost you. Um, and yeah, he's just peak Nighthaunt, really. Um, he tricks you into thinking it's good and there's a combo that you can pull off and you will not pull that combo off. Um, but, you know, you live and you learn and I'll never put him on the table again. Um, but... <laughs> coming he might be good he might be good he won't be good um <laughs> he's gonna to have to compete with that guy with the book oh my that's God. probably a five wood buff hero with a 12 inch shooting attack hey if he's got a shooting attack you know maybe who knows he's gonna be bad um <laughs> alongside like, them what else did i take so i took two units of five hex wraiths um so i took this in the uh emerald host sub faction which is two things uh so it buffs your hex wraiths so they get plus one attack which is very nice they do mortal wounds on sixes everyone's favorite age of sigma rule uh and they also act as very efficient bodyguards for lady olinda they bodyguard on a two up uh so they are very good at tanking wounds on her, and she is a very fragile hero who has some very powerful attacks. Um, she pretty much reliably starts doing D6 mortal wounds to enemy units when she gets within uh, nine inches, I think, eight inches. Um, whatever the wording is, so you specifically can't do it out of deep strike, uh, is the range on all her abilities. And yeah. to be able to keep her alive and keep doing that is really good. That's actually a good combination. 
And the other thing Emerald Host is, uh, which is really powerful, is you pick an enemy hero and you subtract one from their armor save for the whole game. Um, <laughs> you just do that once. It's at the start of the game. But again, doing that on um, super tanky heroes is great to be able to, like, you know, the classic thing in AOS 3 is a three up save hero save stacking to a two plus unrendable save. So being able to remove that ability from them is good. Um, or like on the Great Unclean one, base four up save heroes, they start getting really fragile really quick. Yeah, definitely. And then what else did I take with them? I think I took 20 Chain Rasps yeah, and well. one unit of uh, eight Mirmorn Banshees. Um, just because I have fond memories of Mirmorn Banshees um, from back in the Legion of Grief days, and I'll never <laughs> give them up. How many Even did you take to that event? 24? 24. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, that was what a totally reasonable number of the same four sculpts. <laughs> but probably the most fun army I've ever used. That that army was an absolute gas. And uh, yeah, now I have 24 of them. Which <laughs> will definitely serve me well in the... My real fear in the new book is the um, the 30... What are they called? Chain ghasts that I have. Oh, oh I'd forgotten no. about that. I, for- I forgot you done. Have you painted those? No, no, no. We'll see what the new book has. I mean, I have similar fears for the mm-hmm. forty blade guys revenants. I have <laughs> from the right. same event you took those banshees to. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's put me off buying the. Um, the new battle box with we'll another guys. 10 in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that way. Something will have to be good in the new book. One of you might look out and it'll be the thing you've got loads of. My if you ever own a night one army, yeah. <laughs> you would not be feeling that positive. I'm yeah. sure they might be fun. Um, we'll see. I think. So the big thing about Nagash and Nighthorn and why he's quite exciting is that um, Nighthorn. He knows the spell, whole spell lore of any death army he goes into, despite not being a part of that army. And what the Nighthaunt spell lore has is loads of spells that are rubbish on Nighthaunt spellcasters, but are really good on the gash. So they've got a spell, for example, to uh, reroll hit rolls on one of your melee weapons, which is incredible on the gash when you're slapping people with a, a Ren 2 damage 3 sword. Uh, and it's less incredible when you're using it on Ragnar the Grim Hailer with his <laughs> three attack scythe. Oh. Um, so it sort of unlocks that spell law, um, which is actually really strong. Um, but Nighthorn as an army have traditionally had real no real way to make use of it. Um, so you just end up taking like maybe one caster, probably Lady Alinda, and uh, casting. Maybe like one debuff spell with her, and that's that. Um, Soul Cage. Soul Cage. Or yeah, or Shade Mist, take, or right? basically there's two spells that you'd traditionally take in Army, and yeah. Nagash sort of makes that whole lore available to you. It's quite exciting. And um, it also takes away some of the decision paralysis you might theoretically have around who to cast Mystic Shield on. <laughs> it's always going to be Nagash. Um, <laughs> it should probably be anyway, but at least you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Right. Um, so, like conceptually, I think that's an army that could work. Um, if I was to ever do it again, which I won't, 
uh, until the new book is out. Uh, they crew the Cruciator and the Mimon Banshees. They are big do nothing units that need to go away forever. I think you'd be better off taking like another 30 Hex Wraiths, or not 30, 20. 30 would be good. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think that point exchange makes sense, but. Uh... Mm. I think that's a big problem with the army in general, though, right? Is I think it's a huge model range, and a lot of the answers to what should I be doing with it is just take Hex Wraiths. Yeah, since Emerald Host has existed, Hex Race has been the default answer. Mm. I think, surprisingly, like one of the best things in the army is just Chain Rasp Hordes. Yeah. Um, maybe slightly less with New Coherency, but not really, because I still no, don't fine. Together. 25 mil bases. Um, they love it. Sorry. Kind of fine so, in theory, but not in practice, because Nighthaunt are the worst army for getting attached to each other as soon as you put them yes. anywhere on a table. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, they are. This. And then if you add in my extra problem of having all the bases magnetized, but all of the chain rasts having been done at different times, so not all the magnets <laughs> in the same way around, sometimes like one will catch an axe as you pick it up and then that'll bring like eight more with it, like a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> um yeah, but like I think they're pretty great. Maybe not so much in third with the limit on reinforcement, but mm. um yeah, like big unit of chain rask, five up unrendable is mm. you know I mean I, I feel like with a five up save in AOS the real problem with it is not that you're only saving a third of the time, it's that it's that against a lot of things you're suddenly not saving at all. Mm. Um and so you're still getting a chance at saving, you've got your ward as well. Um they put out an okay number of attacks. I think they have two attacks each. They do. And yeah. then in big units, they reroll ones to wound. You can mm-hmm. give them reroll ones to hit with you one can of give the them every possible weird characters. Like, with every, yeah. uh, plus one to hit, plus one to wound, plus one attack. You can give them all of that and reroll ones to hit. All of that, yeah. really. So, yeah. I think um, they're still really good, but they're a nightmare. Army from a like physical point of view, yeah. Mm. Yeah, chain rasps, I think, are like, for me, they sit alongside um, Skaven, where they're a unit that you you probably didn't think about when it came out, but they really suffer from the change of being max thirty rather than max forty. Yeah, just because they're designed around like a specific mechanic of bringing them back. Having ten less as your baseline, yeah, uh, makes that job harder. But yeah. Um. So how did that go? That's a game that went really badly for me. I think we've alluded to. <laughs> We sort of, yeah, I mean, you had your turn one. Uh, like you said, you didn't deploy very well. Mm-hmm. I doubt I deployed incredibly tactically. You um, deployed in a way that you could reach the objectives. Yes, yeah, so, I um, had to sort of send a great and clean one reasonably far forwards mm-hmm. and then sort of send, try and send the Lord of Blights to one flank and the Bile Piper to the other flank. Yeah. Um, drop some drones in to do some... Uh, sort of harassing but effectively yeah it was the noble strategy of push a wave of stuff forward let a wave of things break over you and then just start building up disease and try to outlast mm. it so i think that the sort of significant fight in the game was a linda and a um cavalry bodyguard I can't believe hex wraith, yeah hex wraith thank you bodyguard in the middle sort of crunched into a couple of units of um it's the great unclean one and some um the chunky 
infantry, the mortals. Yeah, glad that none of us can remember the names of any. It's your argument. Yeah, uh, Blight Kings. Kings, putrid Blight Kings. Oh, thank you. putrid Blight Kings. Thank you. Um, they sort of, and I think the plague bearers might have been there in the end as well. Actually, they just sort of kind yeah, of the plague pushed. bearers went and killed Magash. Oh yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, <laughs> they together. The plague, the plague bearers God. and the bar pipers went and just whittled the gash down. Um, it wasn't even a whittling. It was two combat phases. Whittling. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I remember being slightly perturbed that Alinda could like pass off a huge amount of hits onto a bodyguard unit when I mean, you can never guarantee anything, but like that was almost guaranteed to like completely overkill them, but none of it gets yeah. like carried back. I remember being a bit perturbed by that, but that's just the wording of uh, the attack sequence in yeah, Age really of Sigmar. Weird. It was a really, really weird thing. Although you say that, and then he didn't actually kill them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I did have some pretty flubbed combats in that middle. Alinda lasted a couple of turns, I think, but just kind of everything around yeah. kind of fell to pieces. This is Nagash like... going and dying to plague bearers on the flank was sad. It was deeply uh, sad. That tends to be my experience with the army. Alinda is um, very good and lasts longer than you think she will. Partly because of X-rays, but... Um, she's resilient. Yeah. She's fairly resilient and um, heroic healings may be less good than it used to be, but she makes good use of it when she can. Yeah. Um yeah, and she's a bit of a she's surprising. She does a bit of everything. I think people can yeah. be surprised, especially when they take like twelve mortal wounds off her. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she but, can um, give them up, right? Yeah, that one that that game got ground out pretty quickly, didn't it? There was that you swept up one flank and we had a big grind in the middle, and I swept up the other flank. Yeah. And it was pro- it was always gonna sort of come down to a combination of the middle flight fight and then how those two flank fights went <laughs> they both went really well for you yeah <laughs> so that they, was sort uh, of what you wrote then call it we called it at like top of turn three i think top of turn three yeah which is really great when you've driven for 90 minutes to my house to go and play or have with me <laughs> it's fine i got to meet your cat and that's really the yeah i mean he's uh blessed us by not interrupting this podcast so far so. we've it's been cat free yeah, I know. An hour of no cats has been incredible. Well, we got four cats between the three of us. Cats. So. Yeah, although uh, Jasper, my cat, is currently uh, not allowed upstairs uh, because the baby is asleep. And he cannot, <laughs> he's not allowed to meow in her face. So that's that's not an unreasonable restriction, I guess. I'm sure he doesn't feel that way. But... He does not. No. No, he's quite, he's. Um, he just wants to snuggle in the evening. That's all he ever wants. So, anyway, this is the catch out. Yeah, it's, it's very relevant. This is this is Warhammer chat. Um, so, you guys played Bone Reapers and Maggotkin. That sounds like the most exciting game of AOS that could possibly happen. How did that go? <laughs> I think it was quite exciting. There were definitely some big drawn out fight moments. I'm, yeah. I'm desperately trying to remember what happened, but I think we played the same scenario. So it was the one that only leaders can score objectives. Which yeah, I was the, quite. Is it like the zigzag deployment, right? Yeah. 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 And I was quite cool. concerned because my army wants to be a big bubble and it does not want to spread its three heroes mm. out and have one on each objective. Um, yeah. But it, you had one of the 
one of the named mortal heroes. Yeah, so when think... it isn't Orgots and isn't Blow Up, and I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Morbidex Twiceborn, That's the, the mortal avatar of the Nurglings. Yeah. So he um... spent the whole game standing on the middle objective while I used the Bone Time Shrieker to block him off from being able to get anywhere. <laughs> and it was yeah. quite funny. <laughs> he is amazing. Like At the end of the combat phase, he just heals half of the damage that's on him every turn. It's so good. Yeah. So I think um, I just assumed I was never going to be able to kill him and just left him alone to stand on an objective yeah. for the mm. whole game. I will admit, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think there were some quite grindy fights between Mortec Guard yeah. and uh, the Puskal Blightboards. Yes, I remember uh, broadly, I think what happened was that you, for the one objective, like one flank you pushed Arcan up to and screened him quite well with a combination of uh, Mortec Guard and I think you brought the Death Riders in behind him eventually. Yeah. And then on the other flank... Um, you had a Bilepiper or something by himself for quite a while, didn't you? Yeah, I had a Bilepiper very slowly running at the other objective, and yeah. then, like you said, Morbidex and in the middle, and then like some the usual Blight Kings. And I think I dropped a Lord of Afflictions and two... I think I had a unit of four and a unit of two post girls, and I think I sort of dropped them all vaguely into your background yeah, to you just did. try and kind of cause some chaos. Yeah, so they were holding and, my army up. And then it yeah. came down at the end to could I throw Arcan across the board quickly enough mm. to grab your objective that was being held by a solo bile piper or something like that. But mm. I had failed to factor in that the Lord of Afflictions and his very annoying command ability meant that Arcan couldn't use the command ability that would give him extra move so he couldn't actually get there. I think that was a critical moment towards yeah. the end, but it was quite close. I think, I can't remember what the, the actual numbers were, but I, th I think we might have worked out that it was like, uh, if you, you know, do the extra move, guarantee yourself a, or try and get a big run mm. or a charge and you'd be able to do it. And then we worked out that without that command ability, you would like an inch out of range or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite um, typical of my OBR experiences is that I always have high hopes for what Arkan might achieve and he rarely does. <laughs> Um, he seems such an important piece for the whole army in, he really, in three, really though, right? He does so yeah. much that nothing his, else does. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's really critical. His The fact that he can reasonably, reliably cast three spells and mm -hmm. bringing back lots of skirtons and actually having mobility, which is definitely not to be underestimated yeah. in that army, is super important. Yeah. It's, just, it's a decision about at what point do you get him to do stuff because he also doesn't have many wounds on a four-up save mm. and he's really what you want to put your mystic shield on so yeah. i have had games when i've just committed him to something and then he's just dead and you think okay that was really silly i'm sort of semi-surprised he didn't get um an faq update because when they um they sort of rewrote the scrolls for the other mortarks a bit in the grave lords book they did go up uh, in tankiness they i think they went to three plus saves and he would benefit a lot from that yeah it would yeah. be really really nice but there's nothing in the I don't know, maybe Catacross has a 3-plus save. Nothing nothing I own in the Bone Reavers book <laughs> uh, has more Cat than a... Yeah, no, Catacross does, yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess maybe because Arkan had a bad time in the law, they decided he didn't get the boost <laughs> that the others got. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But he is, Punished. you know, he's quite fun. I quite enjoy... I don't mm. think I've got the hang of how to use him yet. Um, 
the sort of challenge really of how much to screen him at yeah. the start is quite tricky and trying to figure out how to use the protection of Nagash spell that lets him potentially teleport around is mm. an interesting one because because he's the reliable spellcaster, there are always about five spells I want him to cast and trying to pick yeah. which three of them he's actually going to do is, is yeah, an I, interesting I, choice, I guess. I almost threw a game away at uh, Blackout to a really cheeky protection of Nagash uh, that I just forgot was on him. Very, very rude spell that. Very rude. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because obviously Bone Reapers are, especially like your Mortec build, feels really critically weak to uh, that kind of ability to be gummed up either by the flies or like when I think played versus bone splitters is just like even if you win the fight uh, which you will if I can just throw an army into you early enough uh, they just aren't enough turns in the game to score yeah definitely yeah. I think the thing I need to improve at the most of OBR is deployment because they do have they have some units with mobility mm. so the death riders can get around and even the necropolis stalkers aren't too bad but with the big unit of 20 mortec guard often where you start them is where they're going to spend the game. And I have definitely yeah. not got the hang of... I'm quite... The thing I'm least good at, I think, with Age of Sigmar is having a battle plan that I'm committed to before I deploy. I'm quite bad at just going, mm. I'll just put stuff down and then I'll yeah. figure out what I'm doing. And you can't do that with 20 more tech guard, or they're just going to end up <laughs> hanging out halfway between two objectives in a big, grindy fight, achieving nothing. Um, so that's, that's the thing I need to work on with them. I probably need to like sit down with a list of scenarios and just practice how do I deploy for this scenario, and have you know obviously you need to adapt it based on mm. who you're playing and what the terrain's like and stuff. But I just need a better plan than I currently find I start games with. Yeah, that's definitely mid-table brain. I think uh, if if I had one thing I wanted to work on, it would be to have any plan at all with deployment, other than how our model goes here. Yeah. And with gargants, that was fine, because if you had three gargants, you just put one in the middle, one on the left, and one on the right, and it was probably fine. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't work with yeah. OBR. Yeah, I get like with Deepkin, it was pretty easy. I put a turtle down, and I put the whole army all within 15 inches of it. Yeah. Yeah. But Same with Lumineth. You put a space where Teclis is going to go, and then you <laughs> make sure there's something in front of him and something to each side of him, and it's all within 18 inches. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a genuine. Oh, sorry. I think with Viviada, there was a genuine decision of should I put my Bone Tithe Nexus on, or Mm. is it going to reduce my deployment space so much that I will end up with really suboptimal deployment because the Bone Tithe Nexus is just too much in the way? Does Um, it have to go in your deployment zone now? It does have to go in your deployment zone. If it won't fit, you're allowed to remove another piece of terrain and put it down instead. But usually it does just about fit, but only if it takes up. (laughs) a prime amount of space where you really want to be putting 20 more guards. That's um, awkward. And it is, it's good enough that you want it if it can mm. be there. But I think sometimes the right answer is just to go, no, I'd rather, especially if there's already big terrain pieces down. I think mm. sometimes you're just better off not having it. Yeah. How does that work with, with list building? Because obviously in like in the, the app, when you build a list, you add the piece of terrain. If you like, submit it as part of your list to an event is it still a choice per game whether you actually use it or not normally or is it like a if it's on your list you should try and use it kind of thing that is a good question um that's a good question yeah i've always assumed it was an optional thing but i don't actually know what the war scroll i think in there was the war scroll in two it was um but whether they've um 
it might actually be the terrain placement rules rather than the raw score. I don't know where it would be. I've certainly had games with first letters when I've just forgotten. The, what, the... It does have a pitch battle profile, so Rich might actually be right here in that if it's on your list, you should be deploying it, which makes me think I probably, unless I'm running a decent number of ah. trolls, will probably never take the Gloomside shipwreck. There you go. The Literally, in the setup section on the war scroll is, after mm-hmm. territory is determined, you can set up this faction to write features. Good, so good, good, good. Can versus must. That makes life a lot easier for the Bone Reaper yeah. players. Because the Bone Type yeah. Nexus is really decent. I played... Mm. It's a bit dependent on can you roll four pluses. But <laughs> one of the things you can roll a four plus to do... I think it might even make no charge on a D6 rather than 2D6, which is extremely good. (laughs) That's extremely good. How do you feel about... um, Because obviously part of the problem Burn Reapers can have is like reaching out and touching things uh, that are far away on the board. How are you feeling about the the Bonapults? Do you just think no rends, AOS 3... Is that a problem, or is yeah? It... So I ran one for a while um, mm. because I think the threat of being able to mess up coherency is quite useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just found that with no rend, they were just it just wasn't doing enough to be worth the points uh, because you could OBR really struggle for points. They don't really have any cheap yeah. things, um, so I swapped it out for another three Necropolis Stalkers, and I think they do more. Yeah, um, um, it's a bit dependent on what list you're playing against, but in general, I think it was it was a bigger sort of psychological threat than it was actually achieving anything. And mm-hmm. two, I can't remember exactly how many points it is, but two hundred odd points is too much for something that isn't going to kill anything. Yeah, it's the no rends and then the anti-hero shot. It's so hard to use, right? Like, yeah, I mean, especially that against good. the kind of heroes that AOS three wants yeah. you to take. So that shot is good, but it's mainly good because it gives you the threat of breaking coherency of an elite right. unit. And so once you've used it, it kind of loses half its value. And it is mm. also something that you can use, and it does absolutely... If you try and kill just a bog-standard model, it will almost always do it. But against a small hero, it can very easily whiff and not have achieved anything. Um, yeah, I just... I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're rubbish. I think there's a case for taking one. Mm-hmm. But you don't get a huge amount of bodies in an OBR army anyway, unless you're really mm-hmm. stacking it with Mortec Guards. And I think I'd rather have stuff that can also get on an objective, which the Catapult is never really going to do, unless it's standing on one in your own territory, and there's no shortage of stuff that can stand on an objective in my territory. Okay. That's fair enough. But it is a really cool model. That's <laughs> such a cool model. It's enormous as well. I feel like every time I look at it, there's like a detail that I haven't noticed before. Like it took me a long time to realize it has legs. Like, oh, it's just so cool. It's got it's it's a, a full of that, right? Like they're actually yeah. really characterful. I enjoyed painting the Underworld's Warband, and uh, as is my style, sort of went like, oh, oh, Bone Reapers. <laughs> I managed to resist the army box at Christmas, so you know. I'm a saint. What can I say? Sometimes that's all it takes, right? Just resist the army books. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't since sat like going, I could buy this and this and this and this. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's the big sort of flagship purchase that's exciting. So Yeah. I'm worse. I get excited about whole army. (laughs) Yeah. It's bad. I'm impressed with your bone splitters um sort of commitment. In that it feels it feels like you might actually be in danger of like painting them, <laughs> which is 
I've not painted an army. It's just uh, sometimes it's very slow. Um, I think they. My hope is that they won't be too bad. Uh, I would really like to take them to an event sometime this year. The AOS competitive stats say they're the worst army in the game. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't think they're the worst army in the game. I think no one plays them. And like, I think there's stuff in that army beyond just the Wurgog Prophet comedy zap mask as well. So I'd like to either prove myself right or be proved spectacularly wrong. Um, and either, hey, either way is content. How many yeah, Wurgog Prophets do you have? I, <laughs> I only have two Wurgog Prophets. Um, so I, you tend to see with Bone Splitters players, like people will either spam Oops or Wurgog Prophets or Oops or Savage Big Bosses, uh, who are also very good. Um, I like kind of having a bit of both. Um, so the list I'm planning on painting up first is two Wurgogs, two Savage Big Bosses, and just like two other heroes. Because I think their other heroes are also pretty good. Like, Wardot's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's like an 80-point wizard who has... Um, there's like a dance he does, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> he's got... A, he can do a dance instead of casting a spell, and like two, all three dances are pretty good. So one uh, can heal a hero, and the sequencing on that, I think is it, the timing on it is the same as when you use the Wurgog mask. So you can use it to heal your Wurgog Prophet before he does his death stare, if need be, needs be, which is quite good. Because, um, you know, like a D3 wound heal on that, and then a heroic heal... and can repair the damage you've done to yourself in previous turns. can be really important when you're trying to stare a big thing to death. Um, he's got a plus one to cast, which is pretty important because Ben Splitters do actually have some useful spells. And he's got a... The real money dance, I think, is the plus one save dance. So, like, the armor saves in general in the army are terrible. Like, the default save in Bone Splitters is a six. Uh, the units with shields are a five. So I think people will write off save stacking on anything that isn't base three up save. But actually, like if you think about it, on your base like Savage Uruk unit with a spear and a shield, he's looking at a five plus save and a six plus ward. But if you Mystic Shield them, which is very doable because um, you've got so many wizards, uh, if you do the dance save on them and you all out defense them, that's like a four up ignoring Ren 2. That's a... like. And if you can combo that with the four plus ward turn, that's actually a unit that sticks around because <clears throat> 10 of those models is 20 wins. So yeah. 20 wins with a four up, four up. I think I've got most of that combo off in games and they just kind of just don't die. <laughs> they just sit yeah. there. Um, they, they might explode a turn later when you lose the four up ward, but um, they do work. As long as you time it right, though, that's like yeah. a fulcrum ability, isn't it? So. Yes, or uh, unless you don't play in an army that has any shooting at all, um, because your enemy can remove that 4 plus ward ability by killing a model with six wounds and a six plus save. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put if it like you, that, uh, if, you, if you're looking for some anti bone splitters tips, shoot their general immediately, and they are. Lose their main ability. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So that's sort of the games we've been playing, uh, which sounds like we've all been pu- pushing rubbish uphill, and we'll continue to do so <laughs> into the near future. <laughs> I don't think Maggot Kinner. No, no, they're not. I told you. Well, I'm going to tell it more <laughs> Yeah, 
yeah, Rich has just spent uh, an hour talking about how he's been doing well with Magakin and he's banned from taking them to Brotherhood, which is uh, the team event we're going to in June. So that's good. I don't don't feel bad about that at all. Rich is looking sad. One of um, us, one of us has got to be forced to take <laughs> our slightly shooting focused army and actually paint some more models for it. And it appears I've drawn the short straw. Hmm. So I can take Cowardrun Overlords if we want to do really badly. I mean, the dirty secret of Deepkin is actually you can build quite a shooty Deepkin army. Yeah, that curse off. No, even with curse, to be honest. Like, um, still going even without that. You're going three shots with. Reavers, right at close range. So. No, so they, they rewrote the Reaver scroll. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah so there's competitive awareness right here. They're always two shots now, um, but they're better shots. Ah, right, um, okay. The the secret source is that for some reason they made the shark gun D three damage. Oh, uh, when it used to be one, and they were already quite good at doing chip shooting. Yeah. So now you can just pick up all units with them. Um, is that the the harpoon or the net? The harpoon. So I think the net you probably don't take, um, yeah. which is sad because I've got two. <laughs> I think like ones maybe okay, um, but you don't want to over invest in them. Still do the pylon cancel thing. So it yeah. So it still in the turn you shoot it does no pylon, um, which I found maybe slightly more useful with unleashing hell. I think I used it. To comedy effect to stop someone taking an objective with an Archeon because they couldn't pile it around the shark to get onto the objective. <laughs> very funny for me until the shark blew up. But the, the problem with that ability is like the way Deep can fight is it usually doesn't mean much just because uh, one of like two things is usually happening with a combat. Like one, we're so fast it's really easy to pin corners of a unit. Um, so not being able to pile in doesn't make a huge difference there because. They can't split units uh, anyway. Or you're just going in and killing what you charge, right? Uh, yeah. It's quite often the way. And um, especially uh, with how good having two high tides is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. That's certainly a mechanic they put into the new book. So uh, I suspect the net launcher just is surplus to requirements. And I'd uh, what I wish is so, like with the Volkite Berserkers, they split the scroll in here, right? Yes, they for even the different cost weapon different loadouts. Of points, no? Yeah, and I really wish they'd done that with the shark because I think the pew pew gun shark probably should be more points than the net launcher shark. Yeah, it seems reasonable to me, but they didn't, so it is what it is. Like I said, I've got two painted and I've got three of the uh, harpoon ones, so I should be all right. Fuck it, sure, it'll be fine. Yeah. I'm not planning on painting anything for that army. What's fair? Yeah. Um, so, just as a bit of a palette cleanser from all that before we sign off, you guys, just for a bit of a, a feel of how you're feeling with AOS at the moment, have you got any hopes and desires for the future? Rich? I hope the new Nighthorn book means that I want to take my Nighthorn army off the shelf. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't need it to be game-breakingly good. I just would like some sort of fun options for playing with that army. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, selfishly, I hope for another wave of Lumineth, maybe like a water <laughs> temple. I'd like some more elves. Um, 
No, not really. Um, I hope, actually, I'm looking, it's not so much a hope because it's been mm. announced, but I'm looking forward to seeing um, and hopefully attending some events using the newly announced GW organized play packs, which Ooh. they've said they're extending to uh, 40k and AOS as well yes. as things like Underworlds. So, yeah. Um, Get yourself yeah, some AOS class. Yeah, finally. <laughs> if there's a possibility, um, yeah, of doing some like little three-game, one-day mm-hmm. tournaments, I quite like that kind of format. Um, I appreciate it's not the best the best colander for sorting the top 30 players in the world no. into a, a perfect ranking, but for people like me, it's good. But if you just so, really want to... Be up some twelve-year-olds, like absolute perfect store, store championship, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You just pick one that's at a weird time or like <laughs> in a weird location, and only has five attendees, and then maybe you come away with a trophy. That's nice. how I got my single piece of underworld glass. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you got to take the wins where you can get them. Exactly. Uh, where I could get them is definitely not a big national tournament. Yes. So, I mean, you can only play what's in front of you, Rich. Uh, there's no shame. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess those are my those are my hopes. Some some smaller some events to go with the things we got in the calendar, hopefully. So. Yeah, true. How about you, Laura? Um, I think I would like not all that much to change. I kind of <laughs> felt like before. Like last autumn, before the sort of Omicron wave of COVID, mm. I felt like I had reasonably got my head around ARS3 and I played a few events and I felt like I had a grip on the meta. And now having not played anything like properly competitive since then, I feel I'm completely behind on what mm. what lists are good and what lists aren't mm. and how my armies work. And I really just Same. want a few months of nothing massive changing to get my head around it again and kind of play some games, hopefully go to a few events. I think, I mean, I guess we were getting a new General's Handbook at some point in the summer Mm. and it could change lots or it could change not very much. And I would kind of like this to be one where they keep the scenarios mostly the same and just tweak them rather than going, here are 12 whole new scenarios before you've even got your head around the last How long would you like a realm season to last? I think mainly because of the scenarios, I would be mm. happy if it stayed in Gur and they did they tweaked stuff but didn't completely revamp everything. Mm. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. People who go to tournaments every weekend probably feel really differently about it, but I haven't yet played enough AOS three that I feel I need a whole new set of battle tactics and a whole new set of scenarios. And I've never stuff. played the Vice. I love the Vice. It might be my favorite. One. <laughs> I don't think I really I've like never it. played it. Played it. I want to play it. Played it a few times. It's good. Um, yeah, so I kind of want, you know, I'd like them to carry on trying to balance things and obviously bringing out new books mm-hmm. and new models, but I w- would really just like the core stuff to stay reasonably the same for another mm-hmm. six months or so so that I can get back on top of it again. But the most important, my most important hope is that in the next White Dwarf, when there are Caradron Overlords rules, I would like them to fix the rules for embarking from garrisoned boats so that it actually, embarking and disembarking, so that it actually works. I don't think they will, but I would really like it if they did. Can you please describe the problem and what the solution should be? Because KO are a nightmare army to be on the other side of the table across because they break every rule. I don't understand what's going on. I just smile and nod when my opponent tells me what they're doing. So I'm going to get this wrong now, but I think the rule (laughs) is that 
the rules for garrisoning say that you can only disembark, I think it is, at the end of the turn, at the end of the movement phase. Mm -hmm. And the Caradon Overlord rules say that you cannot disembark after the boat has moved. So that means that if you have models on a boat and you want them to get off, the boat has to stay completely stationary for a turn in order for that to happen, which you're never going to do. So it means that you're only really going to put models on the boat if it's a hero or a unit that is going to stay on that boat forever and so it just doesn't work for mobility and being able to move units the flying, around the table does the flying high redeploy count as a move for the purposes yes, of that it does <laughs> okay there's no way around it yeah so it just doesn't work at all and it seems completely i i, I think i've got that right if I, I may have messed up a technical point but broadly the mm-hmm. it means that it's very difficult to do any moving troops on and off boats mid-game. Yeah. And you are pretty much incentivized just to put stuff on a boat and keep it there or put it on the board and keep it there. And that's really yeah. annoying. I mean, as happy as I am to see KO players suffer, um, <laughs> that doesn't sound particularly in keeping with the fiction of yeah. the army. I would also like models garrisoned on boats to count towards objectives because <laughs> I don't think there's any reason for that not to be the case in the way the game works now. But that's that's my stretch goal. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll settle for just making disembarking work. Probably. I feel like you need at least one of one of those two, right? Because yeah. right. I, mean, I don't know. I I really struggle with Caradron. the The army I find most fun to play, but mm. I'm also conscious that in ARS two, when they were good, they probably weren't very fun to play against. Um, and even in ARS three, I think it's either a none game because they don't have the damage to do anything. But any time KO are good, they yeah. risk being a negative play experience. And I'm, they, that makes me sad. They feel like the, the balance on shooting in melee on them is wrong. They should be a mixed arms army, and they're not. But um, your no damage thing is right. Like the KO game I played earlier, I was talking about with like the. I played against two ironclads and a gun hauler and some Duarden in them. And he went for a first turn alpha strike with both ironclads, including a charge with the ironclad with like the battering ram hull. And he failed to kill. So he shot at two different units of the Martai Thralls and didn't kill either unit. And then charged some eels and did not kill them either. Yeah. Like the thing I like, the thing I find fun playing with KO is their mobility. It's not the mm. shooting. So I'd be perfectly happy if they dialed back the shooting, dialed up the melee but kept them as a really mobile army. I, what mm-hmm. I don't want them to do is to turn into a non-mobile sort of gun platform because that would just be boring, I think. That's what Iron Drakes are for, right? <laughs> They're mobile. You, you get a sort screen bridge, you know? They can be as mobile as you want. <laughs> yeah, really mobile, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who needs an airship when you've got a skeletal bridge? Yeah, when you've got a screaming bridge. <laughs> well, you can play them in Living City, which is what I do, and then they come on in the corner of the board, they kill everything around them, and then they're just stuck there going, all right, now we're just going to walk very slowly across the board and try and find something else to do. Perfect. That's Perfect. ideal. That. How about you, Matthew? Any hopes and dreams? For a- keep it AOS-focused. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I could possibly go with that. Um, I think, yeah, I'd like to... Be a not sad boy about an eye haunt, but I won't piggyback on yours. There's some people have like picked apart the text on the upcoming Battle Tomes release thing, and when they talked about one of the chaos books that could be coming out, there's maybe a hint that it could be Skaven. 
yeah. I've got like yeah. five to ten thousand points of Skaven. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. So I would really love a Skaven book uh, that wasn't Storm Fiends, the book. Don't get me wrong, I'd still like to play Storm Fiends because there's models slap, but being able to take more War Scrolls than just that would be cool. Yeah. 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 Um, and like the current book just has so many problems. Like it just doesn't work in AOS 3 the way uh, the Illusion Abilities are designed. It's designed yeah. for you having bigger le- units than you're legally allowed to take now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the sub factions are quite restrictive in the Skaven book as well, right? And in yeah, AOS so 3, that might be a lot more. There are no subfactions in the Skaven book, so if you take something with a keyword, you just get the allegiance abilities for that. So that bit's fine. The bit that's tricky gets around battle line. So Skaven battle line is really restrictive. It's basically only clan rats and storm vermin who are slightly beefier clan rats. It's only them battle line unless you go all in on a subfaction, um, which I, I kind of don't. Mines, it's a bit annoying, but it'd be nice if they gave you a bit of breathing room on it. I agree. That would be quite nice. Uh, and fuck it. Just put the coherency rules in the bin. Set the bin on fire. You never talk about it again. Just... Oh, man. Like, uh, so I moaned previously to Rich that at Blackout I was having to Tokyo drift my eels into combat to get them all to fight because I was taking a unit of six which is like the perfect fuck you number and then use their two inch reach to fight for for the back rank to fight over the bases of the first and they've beautifully done in the new Deepkin book has made them one inch reach (laughs) so now with, with the unit of six I can't Tokyo Drift them anymore. You can so still you have get to all, do the weird triangles. You have to do the little s- triangle formations sat next to each other that's still a unit, and it looks awful. It's horrible to play with, but you have to do it. And I just don't want to have to bother with that. I want to put them in a nice line of six models. And if that means that some guy somewhere strings out a line of ten dialogues, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I do get why it is how it is because yeah, you do see some tables and like the the wiggly string of sixty mm. clan rats in the back table to like completely deny stuff is a bit weird. But I think you could still do a wiggly line of sixty clan rats because if yeah. you're on a twenty five mil base, you can still string out to your heart's content. Yeah. I know, I know. It's just you got to crunch them up a bit more, right? But, yeah. Um, Cure is worse than a disease. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I I understand what they're trying to stop, but um, I would I like to agree. stop. <laughs> That's my real hope and desire. People moan a lot about save stacking, but I think we're so far into the edition now, and there's so many books that have been released with save stacking, like built in. Yeah. Either in like rend inflation or more mortal wounds or units with save stacking in mind and how they're costed. I just think you've got to live with it now. Like yeah. it is what it is. I think when yeah. AOS three first came out, I was quite opposed to the sort of 
hero monster god monster mm-hmm. shift because I'm not a massive fan of using named characters in games for as much as I've talked about Arkan. Okay. I think he's the only that might even be the only named character I have run. But actually, I you know it's fine. I've I've come round to it now, and it is a different sort of challenge. I'm not sure I would want the next edition to do the same thing, but I think you're I think right it's... that this edition is invested in it, and it's just a thing that yeah. it would be too hard to fix at this point of the edition. The absolute worst defenders of like Archeon two plus re-rolling everything, ignoring Ren three, four up ward against mortals being gone is like that's that was a really positive change because having played it against that twice. I never want to play against it again. <laughs> it's like I think the there's like an initial shock as well to the first time your Ren two unit just does nothing. Just feels weird in AOS. Just not used to having high rend be that prolific. So we'll see how it goes. I suspect we're set down the roads that they've decided on for everything. Will be the way it is. For good or ill. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shall we wrap up? And, uh, we will wrap up. Um, come back next time with some some more games under the belt. Hopefully, more games under the belt. So hopefully, next time we will be talking about the King of Fire Slayers, unless something yeah. catastrophic happens and there's a new general's handbook to have like huge hot takes about. Although I suspect generally we're not going to be a hot takes factory. We're going to be a mild mm, wait yeah. and see. <laughs> you know, yes, it's a, KO disembarking. I'm very prepared to have hot takes on the okay. White Dwarf KO. Uh, so I am torn now because obviously I want you to be happy with your army, but also I do want to hear that rant. Uh, so <laughs> fingers crossed, the next White Dwarf fixes nothing. Um, yeah, we get we get some real good content out of that. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, like a rule that says replace the word garrison with embark or something in a KO <laughs> army, but then don't explain it at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just no mention of it and just like three battle tactics and that's it. I think three that's battle tactics likely. and then extra point of rend on Arcanaut Company's melee weapons. Yeah. That'd be so great. I want the next I mean, point of rend on anything. <laughs> Uh, one battle tactic will be disembark three units in a turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Beautiful yeah, stuff. Okay, all right. How do you wrap up a podcast, folks? Uh, thank so, you for listening to this train wreck. We will get better. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I suppose we should point out that we are. Uh, being hosted by the lovely tinyplasticpeople.com, uh, which Tiny we've varyingly people. written things for and taken part in other podcasts for. So mm-hmm. yeah, visit tinyplasticpeople.com uh, for articles, other podcasts, podcast mm-hmm. specials, and this podcast. If you'd yeah. like to uh, get in touch with us, you could send an email to thetinyplasticpeople at gmail.com mm-hmm. uh, and maybe just put three and two in the subject so that it gets to the right people um, yeah. and doesn't do what normally happens to me, which is I go through the inbox and get an email saying uh, tiny plastic people collaboration post suggestion and get excited. And then it turns out that it's like a mass marketing email. <laughs> um, what else could you do uh, for now? You could 
check out the uh, Tiny Plastic Pals on Twitter or Instagram. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll set up some three and two social media in time. But in time. If people want to look at pictures of specifically your models, where would they go? Uh, for me, I'd recommend they go to Twitter and find me at Rich Nutter. Mm-hmm. Or uh, they can find me at RJ Nutter on Instagram if they don't use Twitter because they're a better person than me. Uh, but I don't post on it as much, so you're probably more likely to get a picture of my cat than my Warhammer on there. Blessed. I am at Scops947 on both Twitter and Instagram, I think. Nice. I post more on Instagram, so that's probably your best bet. Yeah. I do not post pictures of models on Twitter because uh, some real-life people might follow me on there. Um, <laughs> but you can find pictures of most models I paint on um, my awful Instagram branding of at 37 visible skulls. The 37 is spelled out as words. Is it all one word as <laughs> well? All one word no as well. As, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, perfect stuff. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, we've been three and two. Thank you for making it this far. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.